Hello everyone and welcome to Changing the Frame. We are your hosts. My name is Leo Torre and my pronouns are he and him. My name is Indigo Corres and my pronouns are she and her. Changing the Frame is a podcast that discusses trans and non-binary experiences in the film industries. Every episode counts with the appearance of trans and or non-binary multimedia artists in the film industries joining us in conversation about their work. We are really excited to share these amazing talks and discussions with you all. Today's guest is Sarnt Otamachote. Sarnt is a Southeast Asian non-binary filmmaker and curator based in Berlin. They are a co-founder of Untitled, with a two dots and uh, the word Thai in the middle, an artist collective from German Thai diaspora. They have curated many films, events, and exhibitions regarding post-colonial histories, South Asian diaspora, and activism. This is Changing the Frame. Hello, Sarnt. Thank you so much for joining us today. If we could start by you telling us a little bit about your background, what you do, and how you relate to film. Yeah, I mean, sure. I I guess, um, yeah, I'm, I'm born in Thailand, grown and raised in Thailand, and then I left to, to Berlin in 2014 to to study film, actually. But long story short, um, nothing works out. Um, I was interested in directing class, let's say, and it's as somehow maybe I didn't know, but when I arrived, I realized one of the most competitive even categories in a film university, film school is directing. Um, and I had been trying for many years and so it didn't work out. And um, long story short, I kind of end up joining the underground filmmaking guerrilla scene in Berlin and sort of learn everything by myself and now in 2023, then I'm just sort of end up doing too many things as a filmmaker and curator myself. Um, I think because I was sort of never have this proper education training and, and somehow it made me like a mess. <laughs> but Gemini, which I, pres- I also love to just do many random things, not random, but you know, I'm um, sort of many things as much as possible. I guess that's a very short version of my background. That's very exciting, and we're going to be dissecting all the different things that you do today here. So looking at where you started, though, why did you want to pursue a career in the film industries? What made you decide to study filmmaking and move to Berlin specifically? Yeah, I mean, that that was also like kind of a mystery in my life somehow. Like I Maybe earlier in my life, I was very curious about German language. I mean, don't ask me why it was superly random. And then, um, and then later on, when I had a, I had a degree in design in Thailand, the industrial design. And as a part of presentation, we had to make like a video clips to present our products and projects, right? And then I, I think I fell in love with the kind of this camera and editing since then. Um, and I think that. For for us queer people, like when you a bit when you were kind of growing up, you have this. I mean, it's a cliche, but you would dream of doing fashion design or something like beauty related. And um, I remember I was just you know like stylize my set and trying to get the costume right and things, and it was so much fun with trends. So I think with that love, it 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 ended up me sort of like okay, I work a bit in design, then I realize that. 
I just really want to pursue that somehow. Also, I had a bit of kind of I was writing a lot because before I moved to Berlin, I was a bit more shy, <laughs> like quote unquote. But I I tend to just I didn't have the confidence quote unquote that I have now. So back then, I was writing a lot, and to visualize this sounds fun, you know. So how did it happen for you to uh, make the shift to curation then? Because you mentioned you started getting involved with underground guerrilla filmmaking movements in Berlin. So how did you end up doing curation as well? Yeah, that that came way later. So I think like back in 2019. Um, so when I arrived in Germany in Berlin, let's say um, I have been doing like you know video for drag queens and concerts. So that's how I sort of proceed my video making, maybe not film, and earn some gigs. You know, and you remember this kind of um, charity based drag events, that kind of thing, um, and I. It sounds like a boomer, but um, I would say back then Berlin was not as sort of like a hub, um, right? What is now somehow for the for the gay or queer movement? Um, I remember in 2016, I was telling people like, "Hey, look, come to visit me in Berlin," and everyone's like, "What's that? Like piece of <laughs> Cold War Germany, socialism, Berlin Wall? You know, they would rather go to like I don't know, Paris, London, um, Barcelona, for example." Um, so back then it was sort of really underground and in 2019 I started to organize sort of more of my events um, with with the Thai artist group that I somehow just created with a friend and few people in because there are not many of us there um, and somehow we kind of let's do something together so since 2019 um, we we founded this group Untitled with the word Thai in between and and I've been trying to do events since and from learning from this DIY thing with my collective, then I end up in some kind of curation direction. And uh, I think it would answer itself because like, it's, it's such a different way to filmmaking that that I appreciate, I mean, again, Gemini, but <laughs> I appreciate this a bit of, you know, shift your brain and you kind of let go of the sort of almost control freak, quote unquote, that you have in the film. The curation is like you bring people together, you let things be what it should be, make sure everyone's happy, but it's kind of bringing people together. And in film, it's kind of like this need to happen, like no matter what, right? So it's a completely different world. I'm a bit biased, but I love curation. Um, <laughs> I think it's such a beautiful way of, like you're saying, bringing people together in community and putting films and specific contexts that bring those communities together. We were looking at Untitled and it's such a cool collective. Would you be able to talk a little bit more about the collective? Um, what's the ethos of the collective? And also what kind of events have you developed through it this past few years? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, we I mean, we, we were many members, but in a kind of volunteer not volunteer, but more like project based. So like I, I think because again, I mean, related to my life, I was one of those who went through the. So I didn't go to film school, and I went to the um, cinema studies program, um, and literature, which means I had to went through German language program because uh, German education is free, but you have to go through in German, and um, I learned German somehow, and now I my German is pretty fluent and. In comparing to some of my friends in this group, you know, maybe they could not speak German. I mean, it is what it is. Um, it's Berlin, right? It's international cities. Um, but so 
this came to help somehow when I figure out okay how to apply for fundings because you have to write in German. So I helped them to sometimes apply for things, and we did a lot of events since 2019. Um, we did did a launch. We did like a film screening series, which turned out to be our sort of mini film festival. Um, that happened regularly at uh, Cinema Transtopia for I think for Berlin artists and queers. Um, it's kind of become one of these proper place of community and cinema, um, and they have been supporting us since the beginning. So we show a lot of movie from Thailand, and now we are trying to bridge in also like Vietnamese and Indonesian artists and queer artists in Berlin, and uh, we did performance and exhibitions um, around this issue of women. I mean, let's, let's say Thai women, that is kind of a cliche that, that is attached to us, but we also kind of want to go deep on how it is produced and how we sort of reclaim it somehow, right? Sort of like, I mean, the cliche is that like, I don't know, Thai lady boys love sex. I mean, yes, I love sex. So like, I mean, it's a board in itself, you know? Um, so we will have also more projects about that coming out soon next year. Uh, I mean, in 2024, yeah. I'm excited to see them. Thank you. Yeah. Since you've mentioned Cinema Transtopia, um, I'd like to ask you about the programs that you've developed for screening there. Because we were chatting ahead of recording, you mentioned you have a big focus on Southeast Asian and queer cinema, and you sent through information about Common Cult and The Wandering Salon, which I thought were really cool. So if you could run us through what kind of films and the specific type of event that you developed for those two would be great. Thanks. It's, um, yeah, I mean, these are sort of kind of a development in this program we do there. Um, I mean, the cinema itself, in case if you tune in from outside Berlin, um, is found in 2020 by Chan Sunku and Maurice Lipman, and they are this Turkish-German couple who who have been researching in Turkish diaspora, let's say, in, in, in Germany before, and then they just sort of, you know, what let's start a cinema by ourselves, um, in which there was also many Turkish, let's say, cinemas in Berlin because of the migrant workers that came in the 70s. So it, it was actually very normal to have to, for Turkish people to have cinema, but somehow it disappeared, right, gentrification. So they kind of took over the term. With this cinema come from the Turkish word, the cinema, and transtopia is is not sort of related to a transgender person, but more like this term where it means something that crossed the border. So it's like um, it's basically it is a term by this Turkish philosopher that that sort of try to say that okay, whatever term or discourse that cross what you know one country, one space, one things means. So it's not particularly sort of like um, like a utopia for trans person, but it can be anything, let's say. Um, so they lay out this philosophy of every program they do as something very open and political. So let's say maybe less quote-unquote queer focus, but more like anything critical politically. And yeah, that's why I worked with them with, with, with firstly with Thai movies and Southeast Asia. Um, Common code. We focus on Cold War, which is what um, what Southeast Asia shared. You know, recently this this bitch named Kissinger died. So, which basically we all more or less know what what was created after that legacy. And we're trying to look at the old movies and new movies that explore this 
also trauma of the war and, and class that were distributed between you know the communists and non-communists and uh, wandering salon was was more like 2023 when we want to or i really want to do more like community based so we rather than just have film screening we do like performance and workshops to to kind of make it sort of less about like okay you come and watch movie and just passively enjoy but also to to participate so you know they have workshops on food in cinema you have workshop on on sense of belonging and cinema and and so on and so on yeah so these are very short descriptions of- no that's very cool i undertook a curation fellowship recently and we were looking a lot at community building through cinema and active approaches in cinema and how to actually engage people instead of just watching the film so it's very cool that this kind of thing is happening all over as well so i was gonna ask if you were building up like a mini festival or was it just like one day of events or what kind of system was it for wandering salon if you wanted to develop more on that yes i mean we we are very sort of low scale like i think we are in a core team of six people and then the rest are sort of assisting us so we have to spread it out throughout three months but like not not every day but like you know um maximum two events per day because it's too much to run everything um so we 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 show in may in july and in october which this give like a little bit space between the months to pr to get to know new people um and i i realized that also in a normal i mean i work for another festival called exposed um like we have a festival where they do more like okay one week and weekend bam like 20 screenings if you can't catch it like good luck so there's a different way to work somehow and um they have pro and cons um but yeah i feel like this stretch amount of time make less stress and also you can really talk with people let's say you know you you have a screening in may and then you talk to the audience who are like oh yeah i like this i don't like that um okay maybe we can plan better in july and that was that was um, pretty great actually yeah i've worked in both settings as well and i know there's pros and cons i feel like with big festivals sometimes it's like so stressful for the whole week for everyone so i feel like having regular events are always really nice especially to connect with like local communities that can come regularly and i know you have a a really big focus on community um another project that you developed with cinema transtopia is imagining queer badung um, which is a program of filmmaking and podcasting workshops for queer black indigenous poc what was the process of creating this project like and how was it different to curating a screening event for example it was it it was this one is 2021 um, with rakyu huda who is um, representative of queer asia which is based usually based in 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 the uk in london i guess and uh, it was covid time so i mean the I think looking back 2021, I think what was missing, as everyone would say, is uh, the social aspects of it somehow, right? So even screenings back then, it was kind of like semi, semi-formal, semi-legal because um, people would figure out like, I mean, where to get the test and can you get the test? You Are you COVID positive or not? So it was very difficult to get together. 
so yeah, so the to the workshop for filmmaking the podcast came to be because like okay, let's see this out, and it has been great. I think because it's it was I mean Bandung. In case if you don't know, it's um it's a place where the anti-colonial conference took place for the first time, quote unquote, let's say in 1955, um, and we just sort of kind of read reclaim that this cause somehow like what it means to be to come together across this people of the south or people of colors etc and um, so we didn't also have like a pressure for people to make things so let's say you are in a filmmaking class you don't have to make film we just kind of tell you or we learn together how to make film but you don't have to finish it somehow and i think many of them also Later on, also didn't really kind of become a filmmaker, but they learned this tool. You know, you can make TikTok, you can make things, and I think it's it's great to put it this way somehow. Yeah, and I feel like with uh, those skills as well, you can. I I ran some filmmaking workshops this year, and I feel like even though not everyone went into filmmaking afterwards, I feel like it was a really nice group project in a way, and like connecting with other people within the workshop which makes it really fun, I think. I think because like somehow, I think for us maybe, I guess for you for you all too, like, I mean, because I didn't come from sort of proper feedbacking, right? So I think for me to even to teach or to, to support something that is too proper is never really a thing. I think for me what, what sort of is like the, the good and then maybe, I don't know, productive and beautiful time you could share with, with a group of people, with people. I think that's why the word community came to be. But I think for me, it was also like no pressure. It was like informality, you know. And and I I remember that when you go to normal, even normal workshop that some film schools offer, sometimes, you know, they, you go in and you're like, what's your log line? What's your synopsis? And I'm like, I don't know what is going to happen with my life. So don't ask me my log line, please. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it can be quite full on sometimes for workshops where there's like a very rigid structure, but it's good to sometimes just get together and talk about ideas and not have to like do things per se. I find that very cool. I think that's where more creative stuff can happen rather than in stricter places. So I appreciate that. In terms of connection and a little bit in line with what you were talking about, Transtopia meaning not just for transgender, but like for beyond and for connection and for transnationalism and finding connection all over for politics and critics within cinema. I wanted to ask you about the Cinema of Commoning that you coordinated and moderated in collaboration with Be Back. What is the Cinema of Commoning and what kind of stuff were you doing for it? Yes, I, um, I, yeah, it's uh, there was also another big project in twenty twenty two. Yeah, Vibak is actually the the mother organization of Cinema Transtopia, and um, our idea in this in that time was that because Cinema Transtopia have to move from it used to be in Hausstadt Statistik where it's just like a former GDR, you know, East Germany kind of building that was ready to be sort of gentrified but was not yet. So they kind of occupy that space in a kind of formal legal way and then they have to move because of i mean city project development 
So they create this symposium to to gather cinema theaters around the world who are both level of let's say something more formal and like heritage cinema, right? You know, the oldest cinema of this, but also the cinema that was really like squat and occupied. Um, so we invite guests for for speaking and sharing like film programs around the world, and so we have like I don't know, Cine Garasal, Angola. Um, we have um Cinema Archive of Dubai and and so on. Um, and was great. Um, a lot of work, but it was great to see that there's a kind of solidarity and and space and communities emerging around the world. You know, in in this kind of future of cinema somehow because of course all of these space have queer people. Because it's not it's not like big you know national level censorship board kind of thing. It's so so of course they have queer programs and of course they have a good community engagement with queer persons from around the world and it's great. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And um, when moving to more of a local like Berlin focused festival, I know that you've recently worked in um, Hamburg Short Film Festival as one of the um, international competition selection team as part of that and also um, exposed queer film festival that you mentioned before um, as part of their programming team how was it like working with this festivals and in a more local level and what kind of films did you select as being part of the programming team yeah i mean this is sort of it's too much going on in my life, but yeah, this is one of it. Um, and uh, these are two festivals that is that are in my heart, and um, they have been very um, open mind. Let's say um, Hamburg one is maybe a bit bigger than Exposed because they they are sort of funded by the city, and then they have sort of like a proper good funding behind. They organize so much for short film scene in Germany, and I feel like I mean with Hamburg, for example, it of course it's not like a queer focused film festival, but but then I they kind of me and other person in the selection team also want to push this sort of maybe you call it a queer propaganda but, <laughs> but in a way um you know like supporting and, and looking at it but also i i also look at many films i think in a kind of discuss of i think some of the films can be you know let's say this victim narrative or a bit of kind of maybe you call oriental narrative right that is sort of something that is a bit problematic to to us and we feel it somehow um, and they might go they might do well on some international festival thing but when white people kind of love it but i mean i don't so i for hamburg especially i've been sort of tackling those somehow and uh, expos in berlin as well um, they happen in a similar time so i do this kind of summer tour when i go to hamburg and berlin and do moderation and with expos it's a very very sweet family um and the joke of the festival director, Male, um, I think I can say this is that like, we are getting bored of queer film. We want to do straight films now. Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure as you work in festival, you, you have to watch, I don't know, so many films from amazing queer films, actually from queer filmmaker. And we're just like a joke of like, can we do like a straight festival now? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and uh, it's great. Um, I think for Expos also, we're trying to push of what queer aesthetic means, right? So there are some of these films that fall in the in-between category somehow. Um, but okay, let's say maybe done by queer filmmaker. And, but it's not about gender, let's say. So I remember we have film from Singapore called 24. And it's about the boom operator, like a recording sound in movies. 
in 24 settings in many places, including some afterlife, like a kind of fantasy. And it's just that it is not even about like LGBT identity, but but it has so much of this this level of being queer is is sort of between these shadows or moving between places, but then being able to understand and maybe you, you stand out, right? That this boom operator who just looks like you passively record people's sound, but you also exist somehow. And it is a very weird film, but I love it. Yeah. And also it's good to support other queer filmmakers, even when the, the film is not... Because uh, for Squiff, we also screen loads of films that are made by queer people but not necessarily talking about queer topics in the film and i feel like it's so good to support queer people making those films as well it's just really good and i love what you mentioned about the the queer family within the festival i feel i've i've met so many people working in different queer festivals across the uk and everyone has this like little family like an independent queer film festivals there it's just really lovely how how did you find uh, like working for this like berlin based festivals and how it was kind of different from working with bebak which was more like international in a way um i think it's kind of more or less the same or similar or let's say like you just sort of need to um kind of think a lot and, and plan a lot i i have positive experience from both sides. I think also like because I live in Berlin now for nine years, when you listen this next year, there will be 10 years. And I'm just, you know, maybe quote unquote settle down with my Berlin cuties community and, and those who come from abroad, of course. I think it's also become more of like a place. I mean, now that many people move to Berlin. So as I mentioned earlier, it become now more like international quote unquote. Apart from it, party scene, right? you know, that you can, okay, forget it. Everyone come at Easter and then they go. But um, the people really move here and they want to, you know, find jobs and settle down and trying to make things. So there's a kind of also knowledge teaching level going on. I mean, it means that like, you know, I, I learn a lot from people who live before me and, and then somehow I need to pass this on to to them. Like, okay, how to apply funding, how to, you know, know this and that. And um, I hope these things, this sort of cycle continues somehow. I I also very much enjoyed what you said about programs of films made by queer people that aren't necessarily about being queer, because queer people are concerned by many things that don't necessarily have to be about gender and sexuality. So it's it's very cool to give space to those films as well. I would like to hear more about one of your more recent programs, which is called Lady Boys United, because what you were saying about Lady Boys earlier. So what did you screen as part of this program and what were the topics surrounding it? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, actually, sort of, I mean, this is also another topic, even to go in deeper to, to queerness, right, what it means. And I think that's sort of maybe our lifelong journey somehow to understand it ourselves. That program came because um, it's called Hakave. It's a house of the world cultures in Berlin. House of Kultur in der Welt. Um, they reopen um, with a new board of directors and managing team. Um, it used to be run by white people and now it's run by Bonaventure, who is like a um, Cameroon curator. And sort of they brought in sort of, let's say, people of colors and 
all around um, to to this museum, and they they have this program called Orquilombismo, which is like a I guess for a Brazilian term for like a movement when the marginal people come together, they are collective grassroots collective, and they were kind of asking many curators around Berlin to do like you know perform and program and things, and I I just got asked one night, and I thought okay maybe maybe. For for me from Southeast Asia to come together is this word lady boys, which is is a kind of my way of reclaiming it somehow because let's say you know I I identify as non-binary but somehow what is non-binary in Thailand and I would say that's lady boy I mean because I think some people tend to say it's more like a trans person direction it's really like a trans feminine which I mean I grew up with trans feminine person around myself as well. But it's rather also in this sort of, it's called gatoi, right, in Thai, and and it, I think for me it it has more of this connotation of everything is possible. So you can be like a trans feminine, or you can be also like a feminine gay man, or you can be whatever you don't want to define, and we just call it gatoi. I think for me this is a kind of way to gather together or somehow also in Philippines that you call bakla, which is term for everything. And so you know what is a queer language outside the word LGBT, and this is one of it, I believe. Um, so we showed films. Um, actually, the the program shape shift. So it was shown already in Hamburg as well and in Berlin, and they have different films. But we focus on on this non-binary trans perspective. So we have Memory Dia, which is about Indonesian um, this growing up in Indonesia being trans and. Understanding that a human soul is not gendered, even in a kind of even in a Quran, actually, um, it was written that the angel gave the soul to the baby on hundred day, but this word soul doesn't have gender, and so basically it is about going back to those times when when you know culture civilization were not gendered. Um, we also showed film from Thailand from the fifties, like Second World War, that was like a silent film. That has this sort of cross-dressing character, and we invite also the kind of local musician or sound, like a sound queer sound makers to make a soundtrack for this um, silent film. And this is such a cute and sweet way that I think I would do more in the future as well. Yeah, silent film is cute. I like that. I like that very much. It's very interesting to to listen about language. In Brazil, we also have a different gender. That we have it in our culture, but it's not really translatable to to English. And I very yeah, I really enjoy like listening about different words and uh, meanings of genders and sexualities from other cultures as well. So your practice is very focused on this notion of in betweenness, both in regards to like Southeast Asian um, diasporic experiences and also to queerness and trans experiences. As well as mental health and kinship, what motivates your practice, and what other creatives do you draw inspiration from? I know you've mentioned a few people already. I mean, the, <laughs> as a joke, um, we all want money, so the biggest motivation of working is money. But <laughs> it's uh, but that's not true. Um, as you know, being filmmaker, curator barely brings you things. So what is that? I don't know. Um. Yeah, I think it's it's a sort of sense of I realize I I think same with maybe you all can relate in Scotland or around the world that like again as I said once you settle you 
you realize the beautiful stories or even sometimes painful stories of people around you that are already there somehow. Um, um, there is this there's this text by Tinti Minha, maybe for, for some of those who are interested in sort of decolonial filmmaking, she's like a Vietnamese who wrote on that you don't have to create the stories in this world. It is already there. You just need to let it come to you somehow. You know, so the, the colonial filmmaking was that they have a script and they go to Global South or maybe in Global North, create a set and imagine it up. But in reality, like, I mean, you, you are surrounded with, with beautiful stories of people that are there and it's ready to be, I mean, if done ethically, then it's spoken, no? So I think my, my events or my, my filmmaking myself, so even regarding mental health is, is, is around that. Also Berlin being a city of this sort of crazy energy that somehow is not for everyone that I realized that, yeah, I just really want to do something that's a bit more like wholesome and together. But also, of course, I, I'm mentally exhausted myself, but you no, know, and um, it's cold, European weather. So what can you do in this? Yeah, and I, I think it's also, I think now it comes to me now. Um, I think another thing that, that working with diaspora maybe or with migrants is the aspect of family um, or even their bi biological family or then they become your chosen family, right? Because I, mean, I moved here without my parents um, to, to Berlin, no? And then I, I was writing about this, that who can I, wait, how can I find the food that my mom cook for me? It's actually the food that other moms cook for their, their children. And when you become friend with their children, then you get that food too. And I think this is a, a kind of easy anecdote for, for a chosen family, even in a queer world. When I work with, you know, Vietnamese communities in Berlin and, and got to know their moms and somehow we come from different countries, speak different language. But when you see that you are, your attention are kind of pure, they just accept you somehow. And this is also beyond queerness somehow because, you know, of course, they might come from binary world. I mean, parent generation, right? They might not get your pronouns right, but there's this weird acceptance somehow that you navigate through it. I really like what you're talking about food and found family and community building. Um, both Indigo and I really like food as well from our respective countries. And Indigo has made me some banging Brazilian food, um, which is like a really good way to learn about your friends and where they come from as well. So I really enjoy you hearing you talk about that. And if you're happy to discuss this now, because I didn't prepare it for the questions, but I am aware that you have a film called Soy Sauce, and it's also about food and about two people connecting through food or having like a moment of like tension uh, and there's like discussions of food and gastronomical uh, knowledge in the film. So would you tell us about this film and how you came to make it? Yeah, soy sauce was like um, it was basically my my the short film that I submit to film school to to apply to film school and hopefully get accepted there, and um, it just came from this, and then the topic that they gave me was like resistance, like what resistance could mean. So I wrote this script within two months, zero budget kind of thing to to finish to film school. And it's about this friend of mine who moved to Italy. And she wanted to cook Thai food in Italy. And the perverse thing is that, like, as I thought that Italians would 
understand world culture because they also have great food somehow. But there was a big conflict in this house regarding um, fish and soy sauce and things. And then um, so I took the story and then I I tried to find a team in Berlin and I could only find this Vietnamese friend of mine. So um, so I, yeah, I cast um, him and an Italian guy in a kind of kitchen scene where they realize that like no, it's not about getting married and visa and everything's fine. It, it's a lot of clash between this. Yeah, I just make it kind of quirky somehow. And um, during the Q&A in Berlin, when I show it, um, someone asked me, like, why Italian food? And then I will say that, like, well, if I make it about German food, everyone agree that German food is shit. So you will not get it because, like, I can make 10 movies that trash German food and you are going to understand that. But, you know, if I trash Italian food, you're going to get offended. <laughs> and I mean, even, even, even in this, that also reminds you of somehow that, like, even in a European way of, of like the so-called global north, right? They, they have their own fuck-up problems, but there's also difference somehow in how they are proud of themselves. So the right wing in Italy comparing to right wing in Germany are, let's say, a bit different somehow. I really enjoy that, though, exploring connection or disconnection through food and cinema. That's very cool. And kind of in a similar line, because you've been talking about reconceptions for cinema and connecting with different cinemas on the world through the cinema of commoning and the work that you do with diasporic and queer trans experiences. There's clearly like a path for rebuilding the festival model. And I'm very curious about the um, film festival, Chrysan, Chanson and Perspectiven, which is a publication in which, along other film festivals, you wrote about new models and better futures for film festivals. Sadly, it's in German, and I don't know German, so I can't read it. So would you like to tell us about it? What did you write, and what kind of conclusions were there in the publication? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I mean, this this book came far later after we, we as if myself and the Cinema Transtopia team, um, have been working there for a while. And then this book came because there was kind of COVID, of course, but then COVID bring question of cinema, theater, or in general space. And so they run these books to kind of figuring out what is the crisis of now. Um, and at one point I realized, this, I mean, there's always been crisis. It's just not brought to the surface, right? So our festival become inaccessible has always been there. I mean, it's it's way before COVID, but people just, oh my God, realize once COVID happens. So, you know, you realize that um, older people cannot come to cinema, not because of COVID, but there's no, uh, I don't know, elevator, la, 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 et cetera, no? Yeah, so we, we try to kind of have a retrospective on what we try to do our best in the cinema. And I was, I was contributing on the idea that like, I want informal space. Maybe this is sort of in my kind of, character that I, I am barely anyone sort of too formal um, because I feel like it, it let's say you go to sometimes queer events but it sometimes feels so formal and so kind of rigid that you feel a bit like I mean it's great sweet but then you feel somehow that it lacks this life like vibey somehow and you know it, it's um, the opposite is is for example the Berlin underground queer techno scene which is anything but formal, right? So this is too messy. And so how do you bridge this two world? And I was trying to 
I was trying to play a joke that you know, like I I talk so much about, or we talk so much about cinema in it's a joke, but like it's like in a cruising gay bar. So basically, um, I remember it's called Ficken Three Thousand, which if you uh, come to Berlin, you will get to know this space. Um, it used to be like a gay bar, like kind of for assigned male at birth, and now it turns to be really like trans and femme friendly cruising bar. It's like wow, and. I was trying to draw a comparison that you know they they play this pawn, which has a kind of sometimes problematic character, and we were just gossiping there with friends about how this pawn, what is not okay about it and what is it about it, but it come from this idea that no one knows better than anyone, and it's come from the idea that we are just there together in this very messed up space, and I feel that cinema space or our festival and thing in general could be. Place in a in maybe not entirely like a cruising bar, <laughs> but but you know the place where you can really just like vibe and and have a be with everyone somehow. When we when we talk a bit about the project, I I use this metaphor that like, of course when you invite some some migrants who don't speak English or German even to the cinema, you have to translate for them, and sometimes you have to translate within the audience seats, and you make noises. This is what it means to be accessible is to make noises, and so I that was my part in the in the book somehow, and uh, the book also feature many bigger festival in 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 Germany like um, Doc Leipzig, um, which is in Leipzig, a documentary film festival one of the oldest in Germany, and it has um, yeah other stuff as well, you know it's also concerned the 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 biggest elephant in the room for Berliners called Berlinale, which is like. Okay. Um. How do we deal with this elephant? And I mean, I don't know. I I think people ask me what do I think of Berlinale, and I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, it's a big festival. Um. What do I do there? Like, I'm not, I'm not even interested in diversifying it because it just start from a wrong place in general. Like, why would you diversify a big industry, so formal and kind of elitist place? Like. I would rather be in a smaller festival where you have more influence and voice, and do something more like you know connecting people together somehow. So that was my sort of concern that I called I call Berlinale catalog like an IKEA furniture, where if like you go to IKEA shop and you want to buy a table, that's how you deal with movies in Berlinale. It will become like an object to be sold and you know. Pick the country. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. No, it, yeah, it makes sense. Like, I've I've worked for I've I put an event at the Edinburgh International Film Festival before, and it's so big and like this industry festivals are not really what I want to do. Um, in a way, I feel like smaller independent queer film festivals are like the way to connect with most of my uh, community, and I love that. So it's great that you're working in that field. We we had a question around funding because I know you mentioned a little bit before as well. Because basically, me and Leo we we work mostly in Scotland. So I've applied for a lot of fundings in Scotland and in the UK in general. Um, so I kind of have a notion of that. But I was just wondering, like, what are the ways of approaching opportunities or like funding in Germany specifically um, for the projects that you've created and also what was that process like um, if the funders are like 
happy to to chat or <laughs> if it's a bit difficult to do that with some of the funders yeah i mean i think this this um i mean it i as far as my little knowledge knows um it's different from uk which means um so maybe germany have a lot of sort of funding program because it's somehow what it is um i'm not saying it's better or something but so they have this this national level that is very hard to get so just forget it and then you have more like um sort of smaller levels so there's a so berlin is in itself called berlin but if you go to if you go to smaller city i mean smaller but <laughs> let's say munich is in bavaria you know hamburg is in itself but in that region so they have this funding that are sort of become smaller the smaller your focus is comparing to uk i would say germany have relatively okay cultural fundings um, you just have to apply in german that's like a biggest barrier that some people cannot go through and also the formal german language which is like like impossible to master but also regarding film the the biggest it was actually a part of this book of film festival perspectives that film is not recognized as culture in germany so cultural funding means events or exhibitions or i don't know film funding is film so they have this idea that cinema is is commercial and you need to be sort of in contract with television or distribution or some bigger business model somehow so to get the film funding from in berlin is called median board maybe some people who watch film from germany will see this logo um, they are interested in in this kind of commercial aspects so they barely they do but they barely finance sort of independent you know experimental film scenes and so the the shift happening now is that a lot of filmmakers in berlin realize it's so hard to get the film so they go to culture so they shift to like video artists that's one of the most sort of common fluid term that people use here so video installation and then you know they got a bit of i mean cultural funding is kind of open mind so they 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 are open to this kind of research based um funding as well which means you get like a artist grant for a certain amount of time and you do whatever you do with that money and you you research about it basically um and so a lot of people are going through this to make maybe a film short film more than sort of you know the the big million euro bomb kind of thing that's so interesting that cinema is not considered for cultural funding when yeah i just i find that very fascinating it's a bit weird um, i mean in in scotland as well they kind of separate because before we had a big government funding which was creative scotland as to exist but for film festivals and film production they kind of created a new ident- entity called screen scotland and so if anything to do with like film or film festivals um you have to apply straight to screen scotland not like creative scotland which is very interesting as well like there is that divide but also for film production there is more sort of funding without having to be associated with like a tv production company or yeah which is very interesting to hear that that's happening yeah it's a it's a ongoing debate i think even in germany of 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 what is a better funding model um but like also i mean everyone develop autonomously from each other so the the one in hamburg for example is 
is actually there was a scandal a few years ago because they were the first to introduce diversity status. So usually in Germany, you never have to sign, okay, how many men, women, non-binary, migrant, white, um, but Hamburg tried to introduce that, which I think is great. But then everyone was like against them somehow. So because uh, the kind of more conservative um, cities or district in Germany are, are of course against this diversity move. So everyone kind of have their own policy and disagreements. So, you know, the, I'm not PR for Hamburg. I mean, I hope they hear this and give me money, please. But they are pretty, they are pretty forward. So they fund also like gaming, like VR, XR technology in their kind of film funding unit. Uh, Berlin, barely a little bit. And um, so it's also this kind of situation there when I'm same with the UK, I guess, you know, if you have, you have like Scotland, Wales, England, so they are all separate. So the same kind of separate-ish yeah. kind of happens here. I also had a question that just came to my mind, but like, I know you've mentioned a few times that you do like loads of different projects at the same time. And I feel like that's the, the freelancer life in a way. Yeah, like how do you manage that? <laughs> I know it's like a, a hard question, but like, because we went through so many projects that you, I mean, programmed in 2020 to 2023, pretty much. And there's so many of them. So yeah, just if you wanted to, to talk a little bit about that, especially with the, the lack of funding, it becomes really hard to sometimes work on so many things. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I do it. I mean, I, I'm suffering from it, which by the time this recording, I'm pretty sick in Thailand. So I guess it's sort of accumulated um, <laughs> things, uh, but also a little bit break down this and there. Why not? Ha ha ha. I think because I'm kind of sometimes also quote unquote a bit ambitious to, I mean, I believe I can do it and I can pull it off. Um, um, I, I, I think I also enjoy the, the, the group of people that come with this project. I mean, again, I almost kind of repeat, but, um, and I feel like, I mean, unfortunately, I think the, the takeaway from this is that like, you should not merge your community with work. So community work is work, but like that should not be the only way to find community. And I, I had that issue for a while that like I end up working a lot for the community that it become work, right? So I, I think for the future or even recently, I try to sort of pull myself off because I just want like a less the feeling of work when I come to some community space somehow. And and also, I think recently there's a lot of political thing going on in Germany that that just makes things tricky. Um, it, and it's not just about Palestine. It's really about like like the crazy rise of right wing censorship in Germany. And we, after a lot of talks, we just rather do something informal and without money, and would not be censored more than to to try to get funding and then and then be censored. So this is sort of kind of a future prediction of German Berlin scene that you will see more. Yeah. yeah, in Scotland, we're seeing more and more festivals opening up about Palestine and um, supporting Palestine, um, which is really good. Um, but the funders themselves, they don't really have a position in that, which is really shit. And I feel like they should be more open about it and in support of Palestine. 
and against Israel. I feel like um, I mean, I'm going to an event this week from a film festival. They're supported by one of the funders in Scotland, and they're doing some events um, for Palestine. And yeah, it's really good that they haven't been censored in that way. Yeah, and I'm sorry to hear that in Germany that is happening um, in some places. I think it's very important that we're being open about our stances because there's a lot of people in the creative industries that are just not saying anything at all. And that just that just smells like a hidden I am against Palestine and supporting Israel. So, yeah. And I think it's very, very important and incredible that you're involved in such like supportive community-based festival work and yeah hopefully there will be more funding for you in the horizon as well coming your way we're getting towards the later bit of the episode so all of the questions from here on are going to be a little more relaxed uh, are there any fun anecdotes from previous events you've curated that you would like to share with us anything fun silly dramatic i have, i mean there are some but i'm running out of those um but like um no nothing dramatic i think like the the most fulfilling of this year has been this I, what i said about family and 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 chosen family somehow um I think somehow to repeat myself um because I mean, what it shook me was that it was not just chosen family towards other queer people, but to to the straight parent generation as well that I kind of felt very wholesome. And uh, I think also that's why sometimes, not all the time, I mean, I, I have both love in, in diaspora, let's say migrant world and the queer world. They are both sort of joyful for me at a similar level. But let's say that the migrant world is kind of new. Let's not new, but you know, I I moved to Germany in 2014, and that since then that this life situation became um, that you have to find this chosen family beyond your nationality somehow. And I and um, has been a great journey that I kind of somehow end up with them. And in a queer world, you know, sometimes oh, this, this sounds a bit too too bitchy, but like being we in Berlin recently take it for granted. It's pretty queer city um, at this point, right? Um, so somehow we took it for granted. We had this less the feeling of maybe come together and, and spend more whole time, whole some time with each other and became sometime, not all the time, sometime a bit more like consumerist kind of, okay, party, ha ha, and this and go. And it's so also fine. That was sort of my thought recently regarding events. You you also I think like by doing events um you really engage with with what is happening around the city as well right so you get to know the updates and the the secrets <laughs> the gossips and um, yeah that's why kind of my thought recently maybe some funny thing will come up later yeah if you think about it later you can tell us <laughs> what would your dream project be if you had no money or time constraints. Like if you could do anything, I just want to be uh, on my bed um, doing nothing, or yeah, or I mean, I think uh, of course um, I want to focus on my feature film. Um, I also have this um, filmmaking practice of myself, which is completely different from not different, but completely sort of 
not relate to my curation is is sort of yeah I, I just sort of curious in documentary filmmaking and ethical approach of it. Um, I think for queer scene this sounds very old fashioned not old but you know, it's what we have been talking for years. But for the industry straight level, this is kind of very new to them. This thing called ethical filmmaking and and collaboration. And so um, I I trying to I mean at this point in my life trying to focus what I could do as my feature film. And yeah, I think I kind of trying to find this relationship between personal and and collective somehow because I feel like the the general saying that when you do documentary. Then it's about like I don't know. You see the world, and when you do fiction, then it's about your own imaginary somehow. And I like kind of want to merge the two somehow. And I'm trying to figure out for for now in 24 that I will have a new film that come out like a short documentary um, called "I Don't Want to Be Just a Memory," and it's um, it's a homage to queer people who died in Berlin because of relate to. To substance and mental health, and I think this is maybe one of the key thing that I would try to follow, perhaps until the feature film. That sounds beautiful. I hope you get to do that. What other creative practices are you interested in? Yeah, I mean, I used to I used to draw a lot. I used to play some some music myself, but these are kind of not for professional reasons. So I just. Sort of my own meditation somehow, and I used to, as I said, I used to enjoy writing more um, when it was sort of not for anything but just for myself. Hopefully, I can try to integrate it somehow because I, I guess with all of you, um, you got to this point when, well, if you are let's say 100% freelancer like I, that uh, like me, um, your creative process become work. Uh, apart from community work, is work, right? And then. It somehow fucks up with your mind because you're supposed to do something spiritual, fulfilling, and and of course it is, but you felt yeah something is off when you have to deliver, when you have to, and so I I'm trying, I mean failing, but trying to to incorporate back somehow this yeah what is fulfilling in a creative world, you know? It's really hard being a full time freelancer. I feel like. I mean, I just became a full-time freelancer a few months ago, and it's—I um, feel like, as you were saying, like working with what you enjoy and things, and having to, for example, write or film or curate things, and yeah, you're kind of like you—the things that you like kind of become work, which is really hard. But thinking of the positive side of freelance and and what you've done. All these incredible programs the past few years. Like, what advice would you share to people that are just starting out? And that could be in both curation or filmmaking. I mean, of course, they will always say that, like, you know, do do what you need to do and believe in it, which sounds like a cliche for now. But like, I realized that recently. I think it's a part of maybe quote unquote growing up. But like, somehow life just give you. The answer somehow why you should do things right. So it it sounds weird, but it it sounds a bit also spiritual. But like there are certain reasons why some of these projects happen to be, and some of my film happen to be, and it's not just because a museum contact and say that okay we want to do this, but like 
you know, um, all these things are result of your relationship with other people somehow. Or okay, sometimes there are business involved. Sort of okay, you need to do event that accompany X Y L, right? So there's a bit of business thinking involved, but it's also result of relationship. And I yeah, I want to foster this relationship that I have along the way somehow. So you know, I feel like. As a kind of again, sometimes a joke like you go to somehow somehow um you know events or pitching events with some some people let's say and sometimes they will always say like oh I don't know what film should I make I think for some people that's like the big question what kind of film do they want to make and I'm like it's already there what kind of festival you want to make I mean I feel it's already there you just have to somehow listen to it. Also, I think the issue of this sort of training, uh, I think maybe this coming, somehow in a in, in you are you are taught to to be individual and unique, and this is kind of um, overly pressure to be unique, which I think it's like one of the biggest thing that I let go of my last years is that like maybe I'm not unique. Uh, honestly, you know, I, there are other people who do similar projects or stories or I don't know. Um, But of course, everyone is deeply unique um, from where they're from, from how they grow up to be. But once you pressure yourself to do something so unique, I think that's already the wrong direction to to be. Like, I mean, then what are you gonna be? Like, uh, it's also a bit pretentious to me. I I I do enjoy that piece of advice because sometimes I will get very stuck on something because I have to make the next big new thing that nobody has ever made before, and I'm like. No, maybe I'm just allowed to talk to my friends and see what they think, and then let them influence my work. And then my project that I'm making is also like a reflection of all the people that I'm around of. And like maybe I get inspired by something that someone's doing in South Africa or in Australia, and like I end up building something better instead of just that individualistic. Like I have to be. The best and the most special, and like make something brand new that no one's ever seen before. It's like no, that's setting yourself up for failure. So, yeah, I appreciate hearing that. That's made me rethink some things. I really, I really liked the the part that you said about like just feeling and seeing what comes, like what opportunities comes to you. I know it sounds very spiritual, as you said, but I. I really believe in that. Like, I feel like most of the projects that I've worked in kind of came through, and it was like building that relationship with the people that I've been working with. And yeah, I don't know. I I really like that of like feeling the vibe and coming together and being part of that project in a way. I think there's a common ground to understand, and also ultimately, not everyone can be happy, right? So even you are influenced by. Your friends, or even in my case, um, I sometimes you know I don't make perfect events. Sometimes there are mistakes. My movie as well, um, and so to deal with all of that is just about form of relationship somehow. Um, and um, people would also understand if you make them understand. I think this is a point you have to make them understand too that um, you are not like perfect. You're not also like one on one thing that they want you to be. So let's say if you make a film with your friend. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, but the light could be better. The editing could be better. I mean, like, shut up. Like, I have 
only this resource and I have only this mental space to do this so let me finish this and this is the best we can do I guess that's that's how we uh, concern our capacity and all this um, also a bit of understanding right so there was um, yeah an, maybe anecdote from one of another events that I did was that I mean I know that sometime for example concerning access to disabled person so you know, people wheelchair or like like blind person etc like it might not be the case uh, also in Berlin because um, the infrastructure the architecture here is really bad um, so sometime we didn't have enough even money to to renovate the space um you know um of course we can rent the the lamp the ramp and and the things for the wheelchair etc but sometimes it's not built for wheelchair at all then then you can't do it and um so there was this question of like okay how do we do it with this and me understanding of course that this needs to be the the agenda is is to make accessibility but i was telling everyone like look if i get like 500 euro budget for my events like um, I have to choose for what groups that I can accommodate somehow and I mean like why don't you aim the same question to museums that have like 20 million budget euro a year to do better I mean it's a bold thing to, to ask you know yeah they get all that budget and they don't offer any access support and yeah I feel that um do you I know you spoke about your feature film plans for the coming year do you have any curation related projects for the next year or anything that's going to happen with untitled as well yeah so i mean my my 2024 um is is sort of with untitled we we focus on on this women migrants issue that i mentioned a bit it's um and it's they are mostly from Philippines and Thailand moving to Germany and then we kind of engage with this archive and story um like interviews, painting performance that we developed from like a research grant that we got and um, yeah it will be open in March and it's an exhibition and then program so everyone who is curious please come and. Um, yeah, it is also kind of, I try to, in this case, I mean, this is an open question, I, but I'm trying to understand also like a trans, trans female uh, migration to Germany and a kind of more like historical perspective. So it is one of the agenda of this exhibition, if we could somehow underline that. Um, it's a work in progress. I, I don't know if I'm going to get there, um, but it's also very not a, somehow known, but not researched, right? Because um, the, I mean, of course, the cliche is there but people barely sort of know more or less the personal and the facts behind this cliche and um, I think it's it's great to just also re-engage with my own homeland that I left for a while somehow I think the, maybe just to share maybe you can use this uh, the, 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 the funniest thing to return to where you come from is that you got a bit westernized and uh, now that I'm suffering from it my stomach is a bit Europeanized so I'm used to like kind of you know european certified packaged food that is kind of easy and now you are dealing with like let's say more street food so you're like Bruh. and and the second thing is sort of how you are a bit more like direct when you let's say coming from germany which the cliche is like direct right so you you say what you need what you want to say so i think when i return now it's a bit like people a bit freak out like oh my god 
she's not that sort of indirect anymore. And uh, the the worst part is that when you want to say some, when when you live in the West, um, not many people understand your mother tongue, right? So you you say exactly what you want to say. Like I don't know, you talk about genitals, you talk about sex and whatever, and then you come here, and I'm like, oh shit, they all understand me. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that we untitled and. Um, Hopefully, if we get money, there's also hopefully another exhibition, um, yeah, with queerness and Southeast Asia that should come out at one point, if not next year. I mean, twenty four then twenty five maybe. Um, but this is sort of unfunded, not funded yet. I hope you get the funding for that. Thank you. Yeah, that's really exciting. This is a question. This is the last question, and we kind of ask that to everyone that comes to the podcast, but. Do you have any like media recommendations, and that could be podcasts, books, films, TV shows, video games, etc., um, that you'd recommend to our audience? I might sound a bit um, problematic, but please let me. Troye Sivan, <laughs> new album. Yeah, I really like that album. Me too. <laughs> I actually got one of my friends to get tickets for next year, so we're gonna see him live. That's Me too. I mean, we're not getting even sponsored for this, but uh-huh. I don't know. I just, um, yeah, I, I enjoy this Twink music so much. Um, since he was a bit like less uh, famous, I mean, he got famous in Berlin because of Rush, because it was shot in Berlin, actually. And uh, they became the meme of like the, there's so many memes about Rush music video, but one of them is that the like a tiny door that that no one can walk through because it's so tiny. And then like entry to audition for Rush, it's like amazing. Yeah. And uh, but um, yeah, it, they, he got famous or they got famous more after Rush. But I I know since this like blue neighborhood, um, this sort of sad like I don't know, and um, yeah. Is there any other things that you'd recommend that you've listened to recently or read? Yeah, I mean also recently I don't know I just. But this is a bit older, maybe Banks. I mean, she's she's not too famous, and she's have this kind of like dark, twisted pop energy somehow. But uh, I'm just into her more and more, uh, music-wise. Um, I'm gonna have a listen. It's it's like I mean, I I are you are you Gemini? No, no. you're Leo. I am a Leo. How do you know? Ah, <laughs> I I feel the Leo vibe from you, Han. <laughs> like because like how you posture yourself. I mean, this is one of the most um, I don't know from from the screen. Yeah, no, it it's just because Bangs have this track named Gemini, um, Gemini Feet, and it's just one of my favorite tracks from her. It's a very like kind of bitchy and sad sort of vibe. I'm excited to listen. Yeah, and um, I mean, movie-wise, I think we we all program amazing movies. I think in 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 Scottish Queer Festival, in Expos, in Hamburg. So you know, um, let's see. What is the highlight of of this year? I mean, twenty twenty three. Um, and Hell sixty nine. It's um it it's like a movie from Colombia. Um, from um Tio Montoya, and uh, it's about the. I mean, it's pretty heavy movie about about the. Uh, the scene in Colombia and how one or two people died, and then how it tries to go around this idea of somehow grief. Um, I mean, it's a very dark movie, but 
for for Expos 2023, we use this as an opening film. And of course, we have Kokomo City that you for sure know. Yeah. And we have Mutt, which is um so good as well. So good. I loved Kokomo City and Mutt. They're both really good. I need to watch um and Hell sixty nine. Yes. Um. Uh, now I'm now even <laughs> looking up my <laughs> Expos. Um. Ah. Okay. Yes. Um. Uh, we have Mars One from Gabriel Martins. And then, uh, then we have also a lot of short films. Um, we have this, um, I can see the sun, but I can't feel it yet from Joseph Wilson. This is from London. It's like a short film that, that, uh, they burn the pride flag and talks about the conversion therapy. The intense. <laughs> wow. And, yeah. and then I think not this year, but last year, we, I mean, 2022, we have, um, too rough, like a short film. If I'm not wrong, is it from Scotland? Yes, it is Scottish. There's some really good queer Scottish films coming out recently. But yeah, thank you so, so much for chatting with us. And it's been so nice to get to know you. And if you're ever in Glasgow, let me know. And I'll let you know if I'm ever in Germany. <laughs> yes, um, looking forward to know two of you more also. Um, so like um, yeah, let's see where this goes. And life is long, un- unbearably long, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll have fun along the way. Yes, thank you, sir. It's been really nice oh. to talk to you. We loved interviewing Sarn. It was really nice to learn about the curatorial practice today. Find out more about Sarnt's work on their website, sarntutamachote.com. For more information about Untitled, follow along to their website too, un.tai.telt.org, which is the word Untitled, but with two dots and the word Thai in between. Sarnt's Instagram is at sarntolstis. This link will be on our episode description for your convenience, and you can always find out more via our Instagram, where we tag our interviewees and share their media recommendations. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and stay tuned for a following episode next month.